Good afternoon, patriots. You are listening to Living with Liberty, your source for common sense and truth. I am your host, Ryan. Today I'll give a campaign update. We'll talk about the Biden regime's crack pipe distribution plan. We'll talk about how the microchip shortage could impact auto insurance rates. We'll talk about how hypocrisy is once again on full display within the Biden administration. And we'll finish up with free speech making a comeback on a college campus. Next, on Living with Liberty. A quick campaign update to kick off today's show. As many of you know, I've made it through to the general election in April for one of the open school board seats for my school district. Thank you all for the support in getting me to this point. We have another six-week sprint to the general election. It's going to go very fast, and we are running against the incumbents. It will be a tough road, but I've been running this campaign under the expectation that we would be on the ballot in April and that it would be a professionally run campaign, and it's been recognized as such, and we are indeed on the ballot in April. I'll need a couple of things to close this campaign out strong, funding and volunteers. That, of course, is if you live nearby me. If you feel led, please pause the show now and go to Ryan Mueller for BASD.com and click the Donate button to, uh, to give money to the campaign, and the volunteer button if you are willing to volunteer uh, in some form or fashion for our uh, campaign, for our drive to securing one of the two open school board seats. Our message has been strong, is strong, continues to remain strong. People are responding to it very positively in our community, and the people here are ready for a change. Your continued support in my quest to win a seat on the school board means the world to me, and I can't thank you enough. Now, moving on with the content for today's show. If there was any lingering doubt about the intentions of the Democrat Party, Crack Pipapalooza should put an end to it. They want a citizenry that is dumbed down and hooked on government programs. They want us dependent because dependent people are compliant people. What's one way to accomplish this? They have to do it in sections. They're not going to get every uh, corner of the population, everybody in the population to to buy in all at once. So they've got to kind of section us off, divide us up. So how do they accomplish this? Well, they start with the easy ones first, and that's to keep feeding people's drug addiction. Now, this uh, crack pipe distribution plan is part of a $30 million program written into being by uh, an executive order to, quote-unquote, advance racial equity. That in and of itself seems to me to be a little bit racist, but you know, I guess that's neither here nor there. We're, we're talking about the Biden administration. It seems like everything they've done is, has, has really been in, uh, with a race-based uh, bent here. So this is $30, millions, $30 million that we don't have being pissed away on enabling drug users to continue in their self-destructive ways. 
if we are going to con- if we're going to throw thirty million dollars, we don't have at a problem. Maybe we should look at uh, I don't know helping those addicts get clean, helping them look for work, giving them a hand up instead of a hand out. Now, that's not to say that it would cure uh, and reform every addict. Uh, the person has to want it for themselves. I do believe that if if we focused on that, though, that the majority of them would uh, pull themselves up. They would take the help and they would put the work in to get clean. It's it's foolish to think that it would work for everybody, that, that we could solve all the problems. There's just some people that aren't going to do it. They don't have the will. They don't want to, etc. I think for the majority of people, we could we could accomplish something if we were going to spend thirty million dollars. We don't have, uh, we could accomplish. Uh, I'd say getting the ma- majority of these people help. Now, this would be a much better use of the thirty million dollars that the Fed would have to print up to fund the program. Oh, and here's the other, you know, beautiful piece about this whole thing. This uh, this has already been tried before. Seattle and San Francisco have had similar problem or programs in place only to back away from them because the problem is it enabled drug users. They, they, I don't know why it took them to experiment with this, to come to this great conclusion, but they found they and had concerns in Seattle and San Francisco that handing out free crack pipes only led to more drug use. Well, what was the first clue they had that distributing drug paraphernalia for free enabled drug use? Was there really any doubt that enabling addicts was really going to be the outcome of giving away free crack kits? Now, the federal government wants to do it under the guise of advancing equity for all, including people of color and others who have been historically underserved, marginalized, and adversely affected by persistent poverty and inequality. So because, and that's how the Biden regime puts it. I'll link the article where that that's from. Um, so we're saying here what the Biden regime is saying that, well, it's the persistent poverty and inequality that have, have led to these, uh, these people's addictions. So Instead of having them to to scrounge around for their own crack pipe, we'll just give them one because that's that's equity. That's that, that's helping them out. That's advancing equity for everybody. We're, we're going to give crack pipes. So we have communities that have been underserved in their acquisition of crack pipes. So we have to hand them out for free. That's that's what we're saying. That's the play here. That right? Am I? What am I missing? They're underserved, so let's give them crack pipes so they don't have to go and and make their own, I guess. I don't know. So here we have, okay, you know, this must be the thinking, I guess. It's the rich get to snort their coke off of nice, clean mirrors. So we as the Biden administration need to level the playing field by handing out nice, clean, probably Chinese-made crack pipes so the users can have a better and cleaner overall experience while they're getting high. That's the message here. I mean, we've gone from just say no to here. Here, Here's a crack pipe. You're on your own for the crack, but 
here's a crack pipe. And this is all, you know, and, and, and it's not to mention that the last time I checked, this is, we're breaking federal law by handing out and encouraging drug use. Where are the people calling for that? Where are the so-called community leaders in all this denouncing this move to enable drug use? Where are the citizens? Where's the citizenry? Where are these people saying, no, we don't want this grant money that's going to enable drug users to continue in their ways to hand out free crack pipes? We don't want this grant money coming into our towns and cities. Well, either they're they're being ignored by the media or they're nowhere to be found. And right now, judging by the cities that have the biggest problem, it's probably the, the, the fact that they're nowhere to be found. Because honestly, this isn't about equity. It's about keeping a segment of the population in a drug-induced stupor so they can control them. That is what this is about. It's about the fact that dependent people are compliant people. Okay, moving on to some economic news. The microchip shortages could have an impact on the auto insurance industry. Now, it's been well documented that these chip shortages have led to decreased supply in new vehicles and even the shutdown of automotive assembly plants. And we've, we've seen it. We've all seen the empty car lots. Uh, it, with just um, a, <laughs> a kind of a sad, they're in just a sad shape as far as the new vehicles available are concerned. The other thing here, and, and this is what a lot of people don't think about, is just all the trickle down that comes from this. Yes, we're we're seeing impacts on prices and shortages on on those called those first tier of of uh, goods and services, but what what if we go a level deeper? What if we say, okay, what touches those things? In the case of a car, it's the, uh, the, the um, automotive insurance. Now, what this chip shortage has also led to is that automotive manufacturers are leaving some of the special features that they would have otherwise included should they have had an adequate supply of chips. So they would leave, they're, they're leaving off just to keep their lines running, to keep some cars flowing into the marketplace. They're, they're leaving off some of the different features. You think like a driver assist or um, the, the uh, lane change warning, if you're drifting, things like that. You know, those are the things being left off the cars just so the lines can keep running and the, the, uh, companies can can utilize what they've uh, at least what they've got in terms of their materials. Now, these special features add cost into the product, of course, and they also allow the dealer uh, an opportunity to sell the car at a higher price versus one that may not contain any of those special features. Also, and here's the interesting point. Insurers may opt to charge less for coverage because there are less of these special features present. They're they're not driving up the the overall cost of uh, and and retail price of the car. So when there's a, a an accident where the car is totaled out, that means there's there's less value overall in terms of an insurance claim. Now, also, 
you know, there, this also works the other way and can work the other way. And, and this might actually be the, the other way it, uh, it goes. Uh, the laws of pricing are also at work here in relation to supply and demand. I mean, basic economics is supply dwindles, price goes up as long as there's still demand that outpaces the supply available. Hence, inflation. There aren't enough vehicles being produced right now to satisfy demand, so dealers are able to hold prices closer to the suggested retail price. This, in turn, is driving up the overall average price cars sell at, which in turn means the overall replacement price for a vehicle from an insurance perspective is higher, giving the insurance companies reason to charge higher premiums to cover the cost of a total loss of a vehicle. And as I look at this whole picture, I also believe that in a few years, we will potentially see higher premiums on used cars particularly models from the last few years, as they will be scarce because there just hasn't been the production of them. And they will have a higher resale value than they might all uh, otherwise have had just because they were sold at a higher price, just because there is a scarcity of them. And even in the face of, uh, of having fewer special features. So uh, you look at the, the insurance industry. I mean, th this is, I don't think we're seeing any inflation there now, but I think that's the insurance industry is one of those that's going to lag behind as that that higher average sale price of of vehicles creeps up, so is is the insurance premiums. they're They're going to protect themselves um, against the higher valuation of cars, the higher replacement costs of cars as as they you know as an accident may occur and the car becomes a total loss. So th these are things that, you know, we're going to have to watch for in a few years. The other thing that I think will help maybe temper that a bit is as people shop around for insurance, you know, that could be one of those things too with the insurance market where as people shop around looking for the best price, that'll help keep rates low. At any rate, it's going to be an interesting next couple of years as this thing shakes out from, from just the shortage of, of vehicles produced the last couple of years. Okay, on to a, a Canadian uh, trucker protest story here. I have a story from Breitbart, a piece from Breitbart here, about how the White House defended the truckers in Canada, their right to protest. Now, the, 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 the hypocrisy isn't a, a shock at this point from, from this, you know, awful regime. It's not a shock that they defended the Canadian truckers, while they continue to uh, to try and squash ours, our rights here. So the Biden administration's like, eh, you know what, it's okay to protest for rights and freedom. We agree with that. That's fine. Go ahead and do it. Just don't do it against our regime here. That's the message that they're sending. Or the, the other message is, is well, if you are going to protest here, just burn everything down. Yeah, we're okay with that too. So Biden's press propagandist, Jen Psaki, had this to say about the, uh, the truckers in Canada. She said this, she says, we, of course, support, as you know, the right to freedom of speech and protest. Really? That's, that's amazing. 
It's amazing that you support uh, the freedom of speech and protests, considering the truckers weren't burning down buildings or looting stores in, in kind of that mostly peaceful protest fashion. I thought the regime's support for protests and, and freedom of speech was only reserved for violent, out-of-hand protests, or, you know, what most normal people would call a riot. So, thinking about this, if, if the regime supports the right to freedom of speech and protest, we can expect them to start calling out the tech companies for their interference in the dissemination of information, correct? That a logical person could come to that conclusion, right? We can expect someone from the Biden clown show to come out and walk back his comments from a few weeks ago or months, a month ago, whenever it was. Time flies. But we can expect that someone would come out from from this administration uh, to walk back his comments where he was basically blowing his dog whistle to the tech companies to censor more. That should be an expectation, right? If 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 you support free speech and protests, we should expect that you would walk back some of these awful statements that were made that that run counter to our rights and our our constitutionally enshrined rights at that. We can also expect that as people exercise their right to peacefully protest, they will not be smeared as white supremacists, racists, insurrectionists, or fringe minority, correct? We we could have that expectation. We can expect that the regime will not send in its brown shirts, also known as the FBI, to attempt to infiltrate any said protests, correct? Now, of course, we all know the answers to these questions. It's protest for thee, but uh, protest for me, but not for thee, sort of thing. We'll support what we want to support. The regime will continue to signal its tech lackeys that it expects them to deem anything counter to the lies of the regime as misinformation, also known as as the truth. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, I think if you go out there and look, it, there's some things that you're like, how does that not get censored? Because it's obviously a lie, but the truth gets censored. And and, and that's a, that's from people, you know, on, on you know, whatever side you're on, right? Uh, we can expect that they're still going to signal to, to big tech that, you know, if we don't like it, take it down. The thorough, and we can also expect that the thoroughly corrupt and political FBI will continue to try and infiltrate any protest against the regime, regime, to try and start a narrative of how dangerous the deplorables are, that how much influence Trump still has over everybody, that he's cast his spell over everybody, and and we can't have these violent deplorables in our in our society. We can expect that the mediocres in the media will continue to print out the talking points from their morning email from the DNC and report them as if they were fact. I mean, we didn't even get out of this presser and, and Saki had to continue on proper with the propaganda in it where, where she, she couldn't just leave it at, yes, we support free speech and protests. So the redheaded Pinocchio wasn't going to leave a presser without spouting out at least one lie. So she also said this within uh, that uh, within that press conference. So again, from the Breitbart piece, says this. Saki, however, downplayed the idea that the congestion was directly related to vaccine requirements, claiming there is zero indication that vaccine requirements in various industries cause disruptions. <laughs> 
really, Jen, then why are there ports of entry? Why were the ports of entry from Canada into the USA blocked? Why were, why, why was Ottawa flooded with trucks? Why were their streets cut off with trucks? You couldn't get around. So you're saying that the truckers that we've seen that were, have been interviewed by actual journalists and independent journalists and citizen journalists who have to do the job of, of career journalists because the career journalists, you know, don't know how to do their job. They continually lie and try to press a point of view and, and are too stupid to realize that in this day and age of video and, and citizen journalists and everything else that they just look like morons. So the truckers that have been interviewed by these actual people doing actual journalism were lying then when they said it was due to the mandates is why they were in uh, Ottawa, why they were blocking off ports of entry, why they come close the ambassador bridge for a week by, by parking on it because of the mandates. That's what all of them said, um, but all uh, <laughs> absolutists. That's what I think a vast majority of them said, or was at least part of their message. And now, maybe old Jen here should pay a little visit to ScrewTube. Um, you know what? Check that Rumble. Go to Rumble. ScrewTube probably took it all down. And she should check out the videos of what the drivers were actually saying from themselves. Because, like I said, I'm pretty sure the consensus amongst the drivers and the reason they were protesting it was due to the mandates. They didn't agree with it. They want all these mandates gone and society opened up. Now, speaking of trucker protests, take take this uh, bit of advice from the Supply Chain Insider. I, maybe I should start a regular uh, regular um, segment on the show of supply, supply Chain Insider information. But So take my advice here. Stock up a little bit on food. Word is that the U.S. version of the Freedom Convoy is due to start around March 1st. I, I, I've seen a lot of uh, uh, stories and, and articles that it's already in process there's i know in my area here we've got several places that are that are collecting supplies up for when the truckers come through so we can we can give them supplies so they're ready um to kind of weather a a uh, protest for for however long it takes really there's already not nearly enough trucks on the road available not enough drivers available to move all the freight that needs to be moved so we can restock our shelves and and our supply chains can operate normally and with this with this convoy with this protest there'll be a bunch more uh drivers and trucks taken out of the supply available once the convoy is is underway and moving uh i i think you'll see especially a lot of the owner operators uh where if fleets companies aren't able to take um loads it then uh, owner operators uh become kind of that next level where companies uh shippers look to take uh their freight so you're gonna see a lot of owner operators i think join this this convoy as well and they those trucks will be out of the uh, rotation as far as picking up freight which means our shelves are going to get emptier again so, so take my advice. It's it's best to keep a little extra food on hand for the next month or so. I I think, you know, as they go through, it's it's going to uh, we're going to see supplies on the shelf dwindle. So just be ready for that. Okay, last uh, story for today: free speech is making its way back to college campuses. Now, this last story, 
I don't know whether to be happy, sad, mad. Maybe it's all three. I don't, I do think that if our first president were still alive, he would be kicking the asses of the administrators of his namesake university. Now, I've got an epic times piece here by Bill Penn. And in it, it tells a story of George Washington University and how they've had to reverse their decision to censor criticism of Beijing. So this criticism of Beijing, the request to censor it, was at the request of a Chinese student group controlled by, you know, it's the CCP. The criticism in question were of posters calling out the human rights abuses of the CCP. So then these posters, because it's uh, they were satirical, uh, had the Olympic theme to them. Uh, so they were using Olympic events and tying it into these, some of the human rights abuses that is perpetrated by the CCP. So they were satirical posters. And you have the this, this Chinese student group controlled by the CCP, which basically an arm of the Chinese embassy in this country is what the student group amounts to. They managed to pressure the university into pulling these posters down to censoring this criticism initially. Now, I have so many questions with this one. The first one is, why the hell is there a student group controlled by the CCP with influence at the namesake university of one of our founding fathers? Who in the right mind thought this was a good idea? Did, to, they knew the ties here. Why the hell would they allow this group, one, on campus, two, to have this kind of influence? Now, in case you are wondering who runs our university system now, it, it should be plainly obvious. It's the CCP. Are these administrators really that blind and naive to what's going on? I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. Is this willful ignorance? Maybe the the over apologetics is just where um, where we've gone as a country, which is sad. And are they blind and naive? You know what? Apparently they are, because in this in this situation, the CCP said jump. And the embarrassment of administration at George Washington University said, how high, Daddy China? Second, aren't universities supposed to be bastions of free speech and the free exchange of ideas? Aren't they supposed to be places where we can go to or students can go to? The whole point of these colleges is to be enlightened by new ideas, have an exchange of a uh, free exchange of ideas and viewpoints. And thinking about it, aren't universities, you think about history, aren't the colleges and universities of this country the place where a number of protests started, started in favor of shedding light on things like human rights abuses, like just civil rights abuses? Isn't it? Isn't that the the history of our colleges that they were kind of in the the place that some of these these protests started that brought some of these issues to light? Now, now the the human rights abuses of of the CCP are well known. It's 
this isn't an instance of of bringing them to light but couldn't this been a now a bigger movement of getting it started but no we had to the, the george washington university the administrators there felt it necessary to censor it and you know what the colleges used to be that they used to be these places of uh of of people thinking for themselves and and different viewpoints and debating the merits of each differing viewpoint. So they used to be that until we allowed our universities to be infiltrated and now apparently run by groups tied to the CCP, which you can take groups out because the the CCP tells these groups what to do and they do it. So it's basically being run by the CCP. Our colleges nowadays are doing well at turning out communists who hate freedom and liberty and are not doing nearly as good of a job at turning out functional adults ready for the real world. Now, there is a silver lining here to this and that there was a reversal of the policy on censoring the posters that have, criti- that have been critical of China. That Of course, the dopes running George Washington University didn't come to that conclusion themselves. No, it only came after severe backlash from students, alumni, also known as the endowment funders, and senators. Now, notice that list did not include staff at George Washington University. Now, this isn't a shock. A good portion of the clowns teaching our students at these universities have the Chinese national anthem set as their ringtone. Just for effect, I'll read the statement made by Mark Wrighton, who is the president of George Washington University. I'll read the one uh, where he was in support of censoring the posters. And then after that, I'll read the statement he made after he realized his mistake, in air quotes. First, the statement by Wrighton in support of censoring the posters. He said this, Please know I am personally offended by the posters, Wrighton wrote in an email to pro-CCP student, to a pro-CCP student, shared by Badakao on Twitter. I treasure the opportunity to work with talented people from all over the world, including China. Your reaching out to me directly is much appreciated. And we are working to have all of these offensive posters removed as soon as possible. Now, I, this dude is seriously in charge of the university bearing the name of George Washington. The same George Washington that fought the British so we could have things like free speech and the right to protest and the right to call out other countries that aren't doing right by their people. George Washington University censoring, the, the university bearing the name of George Washington, censoring posters. The man who fought to enshrine our rights of free speech is censoring posters because they hurt somebody's feelings, because they hurt the CCP's feelings. Keep your kids out of these universities. The only way we're going to get them to change is if you stop sending our kids to these god-awful universities. If Washington were alive, 
he would probably have Wrighton row out to the middle of the Delaware where Washington would then promptly toss him overboard. Preferably on Christmas Eve. Why is it these buffoons go instantly to the apologetics instead of standing up for the values of our country? Especially at a university called George Washington University. It's absolutely the right thing to do to call out and continue to call out China's abuses of human rights. Attention needs to be brought and continually brought to what they are doing and pressure needs to be put on them to change their ways. And I personally stand by the statements I've made in the past about cutting off all ties with China until they start to respect human rights. They need to feel real material loss. So this means, yes, it means short-term pain for us. It means that we will need to throw all these arms of the CCP out of the country. These student groups that are run by them, any funds run by them. It means that we're taking, uh, making Chinese businesses divest all their interests in American companies. They have to get rid of it and get out until they clean up their act. Real material loss is what's going to make China change. China needs us more than we need them. I don't care what they're doing with their belt and road. All they're doing is subjugating those countries to them because they know at the end they're giving loans to countries that will never be able to pay them back. Those countries don't have the resources, uh, entrepreneurship, or ingenuity that we do. China needs us more than we need them. Cut ties until China changes. Absolutely. There's short-term pain that would be had as supply chains would need to shift. You know what, though, with the tariffs that Trump put in place, a a healthy chunk of that shift already happened. Companies realize that we have too many eggs in the China basket. We need to diversify and have, have moved production out. They would need to find more. Absolutely. But it wouldn't be nearly as painful as it would have been three years ago. And it would absolutely be worth it in the end that that we would be able to inflict the type of real material loss on China that would force change. As you think about all the people that that would then end up hopefully petitioning their government because their government failed them because all these, you know, all the companies that, that made goods that, you know, get shipped here went out of business or had to shut down or cut back. There's not enough demand elsewhere as much as they want, you know, China wants to, to propagandize that they can, that, that, there's enough demand in other countries. There's no country as rich as this one still to this day, even though Biden and the Democrats and you know what the the Republicans do, even though all of them are trying to bankrupt it, there's still no country that is as consumer driven as this one. And if we stopped buying from China, that would have a huge impact. Now, as mentioned, Wrighton did reverse his position. No doubt after the alumni threatened to cut off their money train. Here's what Wrighton had to say about in, uh, his reversal of of thought here. Says this, at that time, and without more context on the origin or intent of the posters, I responded hastily to the student writing 
that I too was concerned. University staff also responded to ensure the posters were removed. These responses were mistakes. Brayton also added to that uh, how he realized that these posters are a critique of China's policies and no longer considers them racist. Do we really need these buffoons in charge of our universities? How are they racist? That tells me he didn't even go and look at them. He just said, the, the CCP said jump. He did it. Let me see if I get in trouble. I can guarantee you here, let's be real. These weren't mistakes that Wrighton made. Not in his mind. Had alumni and senators not joined the students in the backlash against the censorship, there would have been no reversal of policy. The students would have complained. They would have done nothing at the university. But the money train came for them. Alumni got involved. Senators got involved. That's what forced the policy change. There would have been a real material loss. Right and sought, changed his view. Had those those other groups not gotten involved, there would have been no acknowledgement that it was wrong to censor speech. The, the speech of others in shedding light on an issue of human rights abuses by China. No, our universities are run by petty tyrants, and just just like our federal government, just like some of our state governments, just like some of our municipal governments, they are run by petty tyrants who love to prove their worth to the CCP. The only reason there was a reversal of fortune at George Washington University is that there was a coalition of students, alumni, and senators willing to speak out against the censorship. The tide is turning. You, the ship the cruise ship is turning around. It's, it's, it's coming back. The people will no longer put up with the petty tyranny. The students are proving that on these college campuses. This is just one example. Now, if we keep pushing back like those did, those students, alumni, the senators at George Washington University, we keep pushing back like that, we will continue to be on the right track to saving our republic. Friends, that's my show for today. Thank you for listening. Please check out my website, livingwithlibertypodcast.com. There you'll find links to my past shows, my original articles, as well as other resources to help arm you with knowledge in fighting off the prevailing narratives of the day. While on my website, shop my store, Living With Liberty Outfitters. Lastly, I'd be so grateful if you shared, subscribed, and left a positive review of the show should your listening platform allow. Subscribing helps us move up the charts and helps more people find the truth. I appreciate you spending part of your day with me. Please help us spread the truth by sharing my show and website with friends and family, as well as on your social media accounts. My website is livingwithlibertypodcast.com. Also, let's connect. Follow me on Parlor. My handle is at Living with Liberty. You can also email me. The address is Ryan at livingwithlibertypodcast.com. Liberty isn't a given. We must fight to protect it. Working together, we will do exactly that. Until next time. <laughs>